American movie culture and rating systems are pretty squeamish about sex on screen. So why do we readily accept graphic violence? Recently, there's been an increase in public litigation around how to navigate intimacy in TV and film, or whether we ever need these graphic scenes. Why are you following me, really? Is it to f me? But it's jarring that so much thought and debate is going into one taboo, while another, violence, is beyond commonplace in American movies, shows, and games. There are entire genres marketed around excessive gore, and violence has even long been present in content targeted towards our youngest consumers. And with CGI more sophisticated than ever, violence is getting ever more realistic and more immersive. Here's our take on the sex and violence paradox and what it says about our culture that we hold one to a higher account than the other. There's a long tradition of our media culture showing violence as a heroic act. Characters ranging from James Bond and Han Solo to the heroes from westerns, cop shows, and superhero movies are allowed to use violence because they are painted as the good guys, only enacting their violence on those who deserve it. It was this loophole that allowed some violence to get past the censors even back in the days of the Hays Code. If it could be justified as an act of self-defense, then the movie might just pass uncut. This was the case with the ending of Casablanca, which was reshot to have Captain Strasser pull a gun on Rick first. I was willing to shoot Captain Rhino and I'm willing to shoot you. Meanwhile, when it comes to sex, the Hays Code never allowed such an exception due to a sexual event being deemed moral or justified. And even after the code was lifted, sex was still restricted, and still is mostly restricted to R-rated or NC-17 movies. What this violence for good exception did was allow violence to become normalized across all of cinema, not just in more adult films. Home Alone, for instance, isn't gory, but still features a ton of violence and physical suffering, and also happens to be a beloved holiday classic for the whole family. Part of this is down to the fact that the violence feels in some way removed from reality. The criminals get injured in outlandish ways, and while they're screaming in pain, they never feel like they're about to die, so we can enjoy them getting hit with paint cans and slipping on ice with lower stakes. A dead kid. But we could also argue that the justification of Kevin McAllister's violence is embedded in American culture. American laws granting citizens the right to stand their ground and defend their homes is upheld in Home Alone. While he doesn't shoot a gun, the booby trapping of his house is depicted as an extension of his Second Amendment right. This is it. Don't get scared now. Really, violence creates a spectacle and is the result of bubbling over conflict. If a film is meant to sit with us, violence on screen can be a means to an end. The Overton window on sex has undeniably shifted over the years. If you look at music in particular, it's hard to imagine something like WAP being a mainstream hit a couple of decades ago. But there is always a pushback against this. And with Me Too conversations dominating in recent years, concerns over safety and consent on set have given rise to creatives and audiences rethinking intimate scenes, especially pointless, smutty ones. Meanwhile, the Overton window on violence, and gun violence in particular, is shifting in the other direction for most of the public. In the wake of the mass shooting in Uvalde, Judd Apatow led calls for filmmakers to be more mindful of how they depict gun violence and gun safety on screen. Aubrey Plaza deliberately omitted any depictions of guns from her thriller Emily the Criminal for similar reasons. 
I think it actually makes it more kind of anxiety inducing because you're like, how is she gonna take these guys down without like a weapon like that? But you know, yeah. we don't need guns. You did it, yeah, exactly, come on. Yet there are still countless mainstream films and shows that continue to glorify violence and indulge in pretty overt gun worship. Even The Last of Us focused a lot on Joel showing his fatherly style of love for Ellie through shooting a bunch of people to protect her. Violence on screen has come under fire over time, but in a far different way than sex on screen. It's only relatively recently that the idea of being triggered came into popular culture, but it's interesting to see how and where that has intersected with depictions of violence. The website Does the Dog Die began to gain traction in 2014, allowing people to check if a movie included violence towards pets. It has since expanded to be a more general directory of trigger warnings for movies, TVs, and books. No, no, Travis, put down the gun. No, 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 he's, he's your buddy, he's your yeller, no. No, no, the end, the end. There is a long history of people debating over the impact of violent video games especially, due to the young and impressionable age of so much of the audience, and a number of high-profile shootings by people who've been into violent games. But the evidence linking video games to violence is a little mixed, and games can sometimes be a scapegoat that politicians point to in order to avoid more important steps like tackling gun control. The level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. But a reanalysis in 2020 of data gathered from more than 21,000 people worldwide found that video games don't lead to violence or aggression. So correlation isn't necessarily causation, and really, the problem is far more complex. There are many instances where violence is justified on screen to make a point or tell a story. Many powerful uses of violence in movies and TV underscore the horrificness and human toll of it to make us feel just how terrible real violence is. Tarantino has always used violence for the sake of spectacle, hugely influenced by the highly choreographed and exciting violence of Hong Kong cinema. I'm a big fan of uh, action and violence in cinema. I always said that almost as if it was one of the reasons Thomas Edison invented the camera. And in horror and slasher films, the violence is dialed up so high that it almost feels fantastical or hyper-real, spawning subgenres like torture porn. So while the intent is to provoke fear, discomfort, or unease, there is a kind of social contract in which the audience knows that's what they're in for from the jump. In Michael Haneke's Funny Games, he explicitly calls out this audience complicity by aping the home invasion trope, whilst occasionally breaking the fourth wall to directly address the audience through the eyes of the psychopathic killers. I mean, what do you think? You think they stand a chance? You're on their side, aren't you? Who are you betting on, hmm? So the film manages to be violent and uncomfortable, but we see that there's a deeper, more politicized point to it being there. There is an irony to the current litigation around sex scenes, which is that, in truth, movies aren't that sexy right now. In fact, Blood Knife's R.S. Benedict correlates this lack of sex with an increase in violence, saying, For the most part, though, today's cinema hunks are never nudes. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is strictly PG-13, as one expects from a Disney product. Those perfect bodies exist only for the purpose of inflicting violence upon others. To have fun is to be become weak, to let your team down, and to give the enemy a chance to win. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. 
And yes, some intimate scenes can be gratuitous, but the same is undoubtedly true of violence. Likewise, some intimate scenes do communicate important pieces of the story. In the recent Oscar-nominated French drama Happening, which centers around a young woman attempting to get an illegal abortion in France, there's a scene where she, pregnant at the time, hooks up with a guy at a club. It's undoubtedly erotic, but it's also a powerful act of defiance and agency from a character at a time when all that agency over her body has been stripped away. Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden contains several pretty graphic scenes, but the intent of them is to get us to focus on female pleasure in a society where that has been eroded, leading to a powerful climactic moment in which pickpocket Suki destroys a library of pornographic books. So we see there's a distinction made between certain kinds of graphic intimacy and who it's for. Sometimes the intimate scenes are there expressly to make us feel bad about them. In Jennifer Fox's The Tale, the graphic scenes are incredibly uncomfortable, as they are predominantly between an adult and a minor. However, the film is Fox telling her own story, processing her own trauma, and trying to piece together her fragmented memory. And even after making The Tale, I think was the first time in my voice I felt, okay, I'm ready to name him. Violence can be used in the same way. The extreme horror of All Quiet on the Western Front fully immerses you in the brutality of the trenches of World War I, dispensing with any notion of winners and losers and instead forcing you to confront the reality of it. Ryan Coogler's Fruitvale Station culminates in a reenactment of real-life police brutality enacted on a black man. But in doing so, we see just how violent that kind of policing is, and how endemic a problem it is. Zombie! Why you stay right here? Zombie! I got, a, I got a daughter. The reason we have such a strong response to depictions of sex and violence is because of how graphic they can be and how shocking that can feel. But in the hands of a skilled storyteller, when there's real intention behind their use, the power of them is hard to replace. What we see has power to shape how we view the world. And it's less a question of whether media should include sex and violence than how storytellers can thoughtfully reflect those aspects of human existence. As we're reevaluating intimate scenes on screen, how many we need, how to make them safe, and when they're successful, we should apply that same critical eye to violence. Not as any kind of moral panic generated to serve a political agenda, but as a way to think harder about what we're watching and why we want to watch it. That's the take. Click here to watch the video we think you'll love, or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.